editor-in-chief of the journal and today we're going to be talking about a new study published in the Lancet Digital Health this month that describes the first in-human proof-of-concept study of a real-time microneedle biosensor of penicillin. Today I'm joined by the first author, Dr. Tim Rawson. Tim is a junior doctor and clinical research fellow at Imperial College. His research interests are around methods of enhancing antimicrobial stewardship interventions, and we're delighted to be speaking on the phone with him today. So welcome, Tim. Thanks so much for having me, Rupa. Before we start talking about your paper, can you tell us a bit more about you and your career and your interest in the research area? I'm uh, currently working as a junior doctor in the NHS, and um, I took uh, my time out to do a PhD about three years ago, where I, I started working looking at precision methods for being um, sort of enhancing how we use antibiotics in, in the hospital setting. And so that really started by looking at things around artificial intelligence and how we use data better to, to be more precise with antibiotic selection. But as we began to look at the, the problem around antibiotic optimization, we began to realize that it, it was a much, much broader picture. And one of the real emerging fields is um, the understanding that optimizing the dosing of antibiotics is also incredibly important. And there's, there's a huge range of data now coming out to demonstrate that optimizing the dose of antibiotics within the individual can improve clinical outcomes, it can reduce antibiotic resistance, and it can also reduce things like toxicity and side effects of therapy. Um, so that's when we really started looking at how, how we could focus on dose optimization as well as selecting antibiotics. The way that we currently approach that is using things like therapeutic drug monitoring. And it really focuses on just taking single time point samples of a drug within an individual. And we're beginning to understand now that there are, there are huge variations within the pharmacokinetics. So what, what an individual's body does to a drug when it's delivered. And that's incredibly dynamic over time. So, for example, on the first day when someone has an infection, their, their body behaves very differently to four or five days later, perhaps when there's not as much of an inflammatory response and when we're not supporting, for example, their blood pressure with fluids or even replacing their kidney function using a filter, for example. And so to be able to understand these changes in pharmacokinetics and changes in drug concentration in, in a dynamic fashion, we, we realized that we, we really needed to start looking at ways of being able to monitor drugs in, in real time. And so that's really where this study came about, by trying to understand how we can actually apply therapeutic drug monitoring in a more continuous fashion, and then also in a, in a less invasive fashion, so not having to require lots of blood tests or not having to insert large tubes into blood vessels to be able to perform this monitoring. So if we could take a step back and just talk about the problem of antimicrobial resistance. So recently, the previous UK medical chief, uh, Professor Dame Sally Davis, reportedly said that we're in an arms race against microbes. And then he said that antibiotic use is actually reducing in the UK by 7.3% from 2014 to 2017. And it's actually fallen by 40% in the animal sector as well. So how big a problem is antimicrobial resistance? And can you tell me a bit about how your technology technology ties into helping to solve this problem that we're seeing. So I guess antibiotic resistance is, is something that's, it's a, you know, someone who's in the clinical side of things at the moment, it's a really scary concept because we're seeing more and more resistance within clinical practice. So antibiotic resistance is just a, a process of natural selection. So out there in the environment, there are organisms within populations which are resistant to certain antibiotics and have genetic mutations which make them resistant. 
And it's, it's through the exposure to antibiotics that we select out those mutations by killing off sensitive organisms and providing a niche for resistant ones to grow and, and, and expand in terms of population. The big problem in hospital is that we, we use a huge amount of unnecessary antibiotics. So depending on what studies you, you read, anywhere between 30 to 60% of patients within healthcare or going through healthcare will receive antibiotics at any one time in hospital. And somewhere in the region still of about 30 to 60% of those prescriptions, depending on the, depending on the study you, you read again, will be inappropriate in some way. So just to put that into a little bit of context, about a third of those inappropriate prescriptions will probably be prescribed for too long a length of time. So the infection is resolved, but we continue the antibiotics because we're, we're cautious and we're not sure whether or not we've given a, a long enough course of treatment. The other third will probably be prescribed for things where it's not actually a bacterial infection. So we give antibiotics in viral infections or inflammatory conditions which mimic infection. The other third is a little bit more of a sort of a hodgepodge of things, but it involves uh, inappropriate dosing. So giving too little dose of antibiotics, for example, which is dangerous because if we give too little, it selects out resistant organisms um, which have a, a survival benefit. So they're as fit as those organisms which, which are wild type. And that's where a lot of this work focuses on it. It focuses on optimizing dosing to, against targets which will prevent the selection of those mutations when we focus on antibiotic resistance. But it also, as we might come to later, has a, but may have a benefit in the future of also being able to help us monitor when an antibiotic has been effective and help us stop it in, in a shorter period of time. Oh, fantastic. Well, can you tell us about the technology that you've developed and what your results were? Yeah, so the, the technology itself um, is based around microneedles. Um, so microneedle technology has been under development for probably about 20 years now. And there have been a few high-level publications around the use of microneedle um, technology for delivery of things like drugs and vaccines. And I, th I think one of those, the biggest was actually in The Lancet a, a year or two ago, looking at the delivery of vaccinations. So microneedle technology is it's fairly new and it's, it's fairly diverse, but the technology we've focused on is not on drug delivery. We've focused on about how you can functionalize those microneedles to become uh, minimally invasive sensors. So the microneedles themselves are about the size of a postage stamp and they have small um, needle-shaped or pyramid-shaped points on them. Those points penetrate down it just below the first level of skin into something called the viable epidermis, into the, the dermal interstitial space, it's called. And that's a, a really exciting and really interesting area for research because that compartment, it doesn't contain blood vessels and it doesn't contain nerve endings, so there's no bleeding and there's no pain. But what it does contain is, is interstitial fluid. And interstitial fluid is in equilibrium with the capillary blood. So it contains free drug, it contains proteins, and it contains metabolites. And so really the idea of this study was whether we could develop a biosensor which would sit directly into that compartment and allow us to monitor the changing concentrations of, of in this case, penicillin, um, which is in equilibrium with the capillary blood. Uh, and the idea being then that we can sort of back calibrate that to, to blood concentrations and look at if there's a way to be able to monitor the changing concentration of drug over, over a period of time. The sensors themselves are developed within Imperial at the moment with the support of a, a company. The base layer of those is something which is used across a number of different sensing modalities. It's uh, essentially a polycarbonate base, which we then functionalize into essentially a pH sensor. 
On top of that sensor, we can then put a, a specific hydrogel which contains uh, an enzyme, uh, beta-lactamase, which is the same enzyme which is responsible for a lot of penicillin resistance. And, and what the, the beta-lactamase enzyme does is it hydrolyzes penicillin into a penicillinoic acid. As that hydrolysis occurs at the sort of the sensor interface, we detect that as a small change in pH. And actually, we can then calibrate that into a concentration change. So what it allows us to do is, is as the concentration of penicillin increases, you increase your rate of hydrolysis at the sensor, which would lower your pH, essentially, and will, will change the concentration and therefore change the voltage we detect across the surface of the sensor. And so it's a really sort of um, simple approach to be able to uh, functionalize a biosensor to be able to detect something like penicillin. As for the actual um, study itself, we, we then took these sensors and we, we tested them on 10 individuals who wore the sensors whilst taking penicillin. And we compared the output of the sensors to both blood samples, which were taken from the patients via a cannula, and extracellular fluid concentration, which uh, was determined through a, a technique called microdialysis, which is, which is at the moment the gold standard for being able to monitor changes within that compartment in the tissue of, of penicillin. So in terms of how it compared, we were able to demonstrate that the sensors worked in a very similar fashion to the natural microdialysis. So we were able to demonstrate that in terms of the pharmacokinetic profiles demonstrated by the microneedles and the microdialysis, they were extremely similar in terms of the concentrations they, did, they were able to uh, measure the, in the actual pharmacokinetic profiles, which demonstrated that this looks like it's going to be a um, potential method of being able to surpass microdialysis and also be able to provide us more clinically facing method of being able to monitor interstitial fluid concentration changes in, in patients. And what do you mean by clinical facing? Why would you use microneedles versus microdialysis? Microdialysis in itself is, is something that's not practical to perform in clinical practice. It's, it's a research tool. So first of all, we have to, to insert it, we have to use quite a large needle um, and insert it sort of at least probably three or four inches under the skin. So it requires the use of local anesthetic. It requires a, a, essentially a small procedure. Um, and then it, the way that it actually works is we, we collect vials of interstitial fluid through a, a dialysis technique. So we, we pass a fluid through the, the microdialysis tube, which is passed in, and then we, we take a fluid out and analyze that. So it relies on the same process as the way we currently do therapeutic drug monitoring. It requires us to send samples to the laboratory, it requires mass spectrometry to be able to actually determine concentrations, and there are a number of calibration steps. So what this means is that you never get a true in vivo measurement of drug concentration. And also, because of the volumes we collect, it means that you can only take a sample every sort of 15 minutes. So you never have a true continuous measurement. You always have an average over time of the actual concentration of drug that you're, you're monitoring. The, the benefit of the microneedles that have been developed in this study is the sensor sits directly on the outside of the microneedle, which means that it sits directly in interstitial space and that it monitors real-time changes in concentration. We, we collect almost 200 readings every second. Oh, wow. So are there any other non-invasive sensors like the microneedle that compare or, or is this the first of its kind? So this, this actual type of microneedle is the first. It's also being trialed in things like diabetes monitoring um, and there are some similar studies in diabetic patients currently going on at Imperial as well. 
Um, there have been other microneedles developed, but the difference is that they're hollow and they aim to extract interstitial fluid and then monitor it at a sensor behind the actual microneedle. So you have the same issues as you have with microdialysis in terms of you're extracting a fluid um, and then you're monitoring it somewhere else. So this isn't truly a sort of a real-time in vivo measurement. And also they've been hindered by the fact that actually that extraction process through the microneedles is incredibly challenging. And often there are problems with things like clogging up of the needle after a certain amount of time. What are the limitations of these biosensors? I imagine, are they not as sensitive as microdialysis? They don't give you as much information? What would you say were the downfalls? So at the moment, there are probably two major limitations which uh, need to be addressed. Um, the first one is in terms of the actual calibration of the microneedles. If you're going to use these in clinical practice, um, they need to be they need to be sort of more homogenous in the way in their baseline reading. So the problem at the moment is the way that the pH sensor is is um, created. There is some variability between sensors, which means that you have to control for that in your analysis. So ideally, there would be a, if that can be more standardised, it would make it much easier to calibrate these from a voltage to a concentration. The second major challenge isn't really to do with the microneedles. It's more to do with just getting more data to describe the variation in different compartments within the human body that drugs sit in. So there's a growing range of evidence now to demonstrate the ability to be able to um, monitor changes in interstitial fluid concentration. But when you think ahead to dose optimization, interstitial fluid in the tissue concentration isn't always at the same concentration, for example, as interstitial fluid elsewhere in the body. And so there, it's really that ability to be able to back calculate different concentrations within different interstitial fluid compartments as well, which is the, the major barrier to a wider implementation of this at the moment. But that's the, exactly the same trouble we have in terms of microdialysis. And you say in your paper that your study is the first step towards automated individualized antibiotic dosing in humans through the application of closed loop control systems. So based on this statement, can you expand what your vision for the future of this technology is? Uh, yeah, so I, we've actually, it's, it's actually quite exciting. We've, um, we're due to start the next phase of studies really for this uh, this area within the next month or so. Um, and really the way we see it is that in terms of if you want to optimize dosing in a, in a truly individualized fashion, there are a, a sort of a number of key areas you need to focus on. So firstly, you need to have methods of being able to monitor changes within an individual's uh, drug, with an individual patient's pharmacokinetics. So what that means is you need, a, for example, a microneedle-based or some type of biosensor which will allow you to track changes in individual pharmacokinetics over time. The second step is that you need to be able to then respond to that change in pharmacokinetics. And so this is really where closed-loop systems come in. So closed-loop systems have been around for years, and for ex the most sort of notable examples where they've been tested and are used are in things like the artificial pancreas systems uh, for diabetes management and in anesthesia management, where there's essentially an ability to be able to sense, and then the system is able to automatically alter the delivery of a drug um, to optimize against the target which you set. And so the next stage for us is to, to link these biosensors with different types of closed-loop control system to, to see whether they're actually able to drive those um, changes in dosing to, to optimize against a specific, in this case, pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic target. And, and that's really the next stage in this. The, the third stage is then what is the optimal pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic target? 
and are we currently using the sort of the optimal ones through things like the use of minimum inhibitor concentrations linked to um, pharmacokinetic markers but that's probably a, a step further down the line after after this next study. And speaking of steps further down the line could your technology have applications beyond humans could it be applied to the farming industry for example where antimicrobial resistance is a huge problem? Yes I, I think this is a really interesting interesting question and in fact just taking a, a step further back there's already a lot of work looking at biosensors and different types of biosensors in agriculture and in food science for example so often with uh, things like um, screening of milk for antibiotics for example there are already sensor technologies out there which is designed towards this and there's a little bit of work now exploring the the differences between interstitial fluid concentrations within certain animals um, and so the real question is actually whether these would be applicable to that and whether you could use it to for example monitor uh, for safe levels of, of antibiotic concentration use within within different livestock um, and so it's something that's being explored but it's quite preliminary at the moment sounds fantastic and thank you so much for joining us Tim and talking about your work. Please do read the paper by Tim Rawson and colleagues on our website. The title is Microneedle Biosensors for Real-Time Minimally Invasive Drug Monitoring of Penicillin, a first in human evaluation in healthy volunteers and thank you all for listening.